Hello and welcome to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and my pronouns are she, her, and I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy and his pronouns are he, him. In today's episode, we talk to Margie, who is, among other things, a non-binary person. They share with us about their experience with exploring the gender identity, the importance of language and pronouns, ways that cis straight people can be allies to the queer community, and much more. We also talk about how important fun is in the life and how mental health has affected the life. Enjoy. Hi Margie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited for this conversation and welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited as well. <laughs> we are super excited as well. We had like a pre-podcast talk a few days ago and that's just got me very, very excited to be honest. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for... Um, getting back to me, I reached out to you on, on LinkedIn uh, a few days ago, really last week, I think. And I came across your profile on LinkedIn where you promote uh, two different topics, I would say, related, but two topics, uh, mental health and anything yeah. related to the LGBTQIA plus community. Yeah. And you're, uh, you're like a content creator slash communicator. Uh, this is yeah. what you do. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, still, I still don't know like what kind of word to use to describe myself. It's not easy so. to put a label, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go uh, for but it. Yeah. If I, if I have to summarize it, you know, after going through your profile, I think that's the best way to, to qualify yeah. what you do. And yeah, I, I've been enjoying uh, scrolling through your content because you post things that are very insightful for someone like me who's still... I would say like non-knowledgeable enough about um, the LGBTQIA plus, but especially about gender yeah. neutrality, gender non-conformism, uh, gender neutral, stuff like that. And I enjoy your posts because they're very educational and it's always, you know, I'm always learning something. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, like, uh, you know, as you say, I always say that I'm an advocate for the LGBTQ plus community, but like then on LinkedIn, usually I focus more like non-binary and transgender experience because yeah. that's mine. Because, you know, also the queer community is so like big and like there are so many different experiences. And I always yeah. try to, to talk about mine and, you know, in a kind of authentic, honest way. And it's fun because like, you know, one of the first things that they tell you when you start like posting being content creators, like define your audience. And um, I've been trying to do that. But the truth is that I still don't know fully who's my audience because, you know, I have lots of people from the community, from the queer community that like comment and share these stories. And that's great. I have lots of allies. Uh, my favorite part is like parents or like queer kids or uh, parents who like, you know, their kids have queer friends and stuff like that. So that's also like something. And then there are people like you, you know, that like want to know more that are trying to, to learn and to yeah, I guess like becoming you know, a better person when it comes to like inclusivity and yeah. uh, and it's great it's great to, to, to hear that you're enjoying that I hope they're they're clear enough you know because sometimes when we are in our bubbles we use the mm. language that you know not everybody uses yeah. but uh, so yeah thank you very much <laughs> so maybe before we start diving into who you are what you do and, and a little bit more on, on some specific topic do you want to just start with introducing yourself Oh, wow. Do I have my elevator pitch? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm Margie. My pronouns are they, them. I'm an unbinary person. I am a content creator, a communicator, a person who, has, who just wants to have fun. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, like, 
I think if I have to describe myself, usually I try to explain more of my, I guess, like the traits of my personality that I like the most. And I think the ones I like the most is definitely the fact that I can be excited about everything uh, in life. Not everything, but like most of things, you know, trying to like get really that kind of life feeling where you're enjoying what you do. Um, and, uh, and I think that really is what I try to put in everything I do. Excitement, passion, uh, also like sensitivity, trying to understand how things work. Uh, you know how to have like relationship with others but definitely uh, I think you know that sometimes you get frustrated in this society it's not very easy to keep going with everything that is happening but I I really try to do my best I love this and I don't know while you were talking I just thought about something I just thought about a book I read a few years ago uh, from the minimalists I think the the title is less is more something like that Uh, like something about living a fulfilled life and they talk about uh, how when most people introduce themselves, the only thing they say is the job title, pretty much, yeah. because we are so defined in our society by our work. But what we do that is like, you know, who you who you are, what do you do in life? It's you know, you could say I'm I don't know, I snowboard, I go to the beach, I I don't know, I do any kind of things, right? And most people Absolutely. just job title that's it that's who i am and i love that you introduce yourself by you know saying that you're an enthusiastic person and you get excited it's, it's it's just nice i think and it's a good change and i think it's a good habit for yeah even ourselves to to build up so yeah i, I wouldn't need to yeah. acknowledge that <laughs> yeah no i think i i think actually it's very important because uh we i don't want to identify with the work i do in any sense you know even like with the stuff that i put on linkedin that's definitely part of who i am but um, I think in my very early career, and I'm still in my early career, so it's quite fun to say, but, um, you know, like I, I lived in Milan for three or four years and there is a lot of like work culture in Milan. You are your job, you are your title. And yeah. that like at the beginning of, of my career was really like destructive. Uh, it made me like feel horrible. And so like after that experience, I was like, okay, I really care about the job I do. I want to do something that I like, that I'm passionate about. I want to feel like I'm doing something important. But at the same time, I am more than my job. I am my passions. I am my relationships. And, uh, you know, I am all these things and mm-hmm. that I put in my job because I need to pay the bills. And, you know, I want to have a comfortable life. But at the same time, there are so much like so much more that, that we could yeah. talk about. And that's true <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And and also, I, I usually don't ask uh, our guests to introduce themselves. But one of the reasons I wanted to ask you is because I know that when you introduce yourself, you also introduce your pronouns. And, yeah. and that was something that we discussed <laughs> previously. And yeah, can you tell us a little bit why you, in, you, you introduce your pronouns and why do you think it's important? Yeah. So, well, uh, first of all, I, I introduce my pronouns because people, sadly, still often go for the he, him, she, her. So, you know, they think in a binary way. And I use, like, gender-neutral pronouns, which are they, them, uh, which actually they're pronouns that have existed for, like, a long, long time. Also, like, in the singular form, but then people kind of forgot about it in the, like, 20th century. And um, so the reason why I introduce my pronouns is because I want people to use the right pronouns when addressing me, especially because I know that probably people would use like feminine pronouns, so like she, her, and that's very triggering for me. And I'd like mm-hmm. to avoid that. So I always want to make clear to, to do that in order, you know, to kind of, 
um, yeah, yeah, protect myself. It's a kind of self-preservation mm. thing. But the, the truth is that I believe everybody should introduce themselves to their pronouns because, you know, once you get into this conversation about gender, you understand that gender expression and gender identity are two very different things. So gender identity is how you feel about yourself. is a whole part that, you know, like, it's really how you feel in your relationship in society, within your own body. It's, it's a whole feeling of, you know, who you are. And then there mm -hmm. is gender expression, which is how you choose to express your gender. And that's also very personal. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's right. this stereotype of, like, for instance, non-binary people being androgynous. And lots of mm -hmm. non-binary people feel their comfort in being androgynous because it's visually very, you know, kind of ambiguous. And I am one of those people, definitely. But uh, there are so many non-binary people that just, you know, don't have gender dysphoria and you know so they don't feel you know they don't they don't want to change how they look they just feel very comfortable with their body with their aesthetics even if their aesthetics are binary let's say from like the point of view of society so mm -hmm. really the, the rule is that you don't know which pronouns a person uses um there are different experiences and so it's always a great practice to introduce yourself with your pronouns also because you might want to you know just explore and experience different things so there are lots of people that are like oh my, I, I would try to use a double pronoun so some people use for instance she they or he they or right. they he so just because i think it's always like as people in our like experience day to day and you know in our experience on this planet um it's nice to to try to to see who we are for real um, so yeah, I would say it's, it's very great practice to introduce yourself with the pronouns and then you invite the person to do the same, the person in front of you. Mm -hmm. And usually there are like different things that can happen. You know, someone can reply with their pronouns. Someone can tell you that they don't feel comfortable sharing. Sometimes it happens, for instance, with trans people that are not out yet or in certain situations, mm -hmm. they're not out. So they can be like, I don't want to do that and uh, uh or people don't know what that is and that's you know one of the like uh, the opportunities that you have to raise awareness because they will be like wait what what, what is this about yeah. you know you tell them and you explain well it's important to know your pronouns because i don't know about your gender and so you know you get into the conversation and if you have time you get through all of it if you don't you just like send a link and then <laughs> if they want they, they can follow up on that now, I was going to say, I think me and Jeremy are going to have lots of questions to ask you throughout this episode. So I hope you're okay with that. Yeah. You mentioned gender dis more dysphoria. Dysphoria. I, was, I knew I was yeah. going to say that yeah. wrong. Could you explain what that is for people that aren't sure? Yeah. So uh, gender dysphoria is a feeling of um, being uncomfortable, a feeling of distress regarding some parts of your body. So like literally how your body looks, how your body feels. And it's related to gender in the sense that, you know, we all have a sex assigned at birth. Uh, and that influences a lot, you know, our hormones, our uh, sex characteristics, primary and secondary. Um, and so, you know, your body looks different. Like, you know, we, we cannot really go, you know, say that that's not true. It is true that our bodies look different. But like for transgender and non-binary people that experience gender dysphoria, what it happens is that, you literally have a very a significant feeling of discomfort regarding some parts of your body. Some some parts can be more or less triggering. Uh, for instance, when it comes to my experience, 
my chest definitely it's one of the most you know parts that I feel uncomfortable about uh, so lots of trans and non-binary people get top surgery not all of them though like that's not a requirement you don't need to get top surgery to identify as trans mm-hmm. um, but that's one thing hips for instance you know if you're a female assigned at birth they're kind of wider that's another part um, you know and you know for instance like facial features like if you are a female assigned at birth you usually have a kind of like softer um, you know, softer face and features and stuff like that. And so that can influence. So something that, you know, if you start uh, getting hormones, for instance, testosterone, usually mm-hmm. your facial features get a bit like stronger. So you have, you know, the big, like stronger jaw and stuff like that. Um, but then when it comes to people that are male assigned at birth, although that's not my experience, so I don't know everything about it, but you know, often they have basically the same things, but on the other side. Yeah. So maybe like more muscular, you know, like they, they get, you know, like a wider chest or like uh, narrow hips and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's really like a feeling of comfort, like a very significant feeling of like being uncomfortable in your own body that impacts the way you present yourself the way you relate to others the way you uh, approach relationships and the way you know like then like when it comes to misgendering it can be more or less triggering also Mm. if you know as related to this if you have a huge gender dysphoria and someone misgenders you it's like a very big experience if you don't have that you might you know feel a bit more comfortable in replying so it's it's a very like the non-binary experience and the trans experience is very wide and it changes a lot from person to person but when it comes to gender dysphoria it's something that is recurrent then again not in everybody but you will hear that a lot if you like get into the queer community I don't know if it, this was clear enough. Yeah, yeah it, it was. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, it was. Thank you for explaining that. Before you carry on, I have one other question that I wanted to ask with what you were saying just before that, before I forget. You were saying how you, when you introduce yourself, you say your pronouns are they, them. Um, and I remember during that other call, I said, is it helpful if, you know, cisgendered people say my pronouns are she, her, and Jeremy's yeah. are he, him. The other question I had is, I'm sorry if I ever say anything that's wrong, but I, it's just it's so interesting to ask these questions because I think it's the first time we've ever really done this openly, I think. But my question is anyway, is it ever appropriate to ask somebody like, hey, what are your pronouns? Or do you just wait for them to tell you and then accept mm. it? Or like, is that like a no-go, don't ever no, ask? No, I or... mean, no, 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 absolutely not. You can ask, like, it's great if you ask. Um, of course, the, the things very often is like, you tend to ask to people who kind of, look non-conforming you know so like you wouldn't ask you know jeremy what are your pronouns usually although what is the practice that like we are trying to introduce is the fact that you always introduce yourself with the pronouns and you ask the other person what are your pronouns and this is absolutely okay and even if you don't introduce your pronouns you can still ask and the other Mm -hmm. person will tell you like that's really something great to do in all sorts of circumstances and their only role is like don't assume someone else's pronouns because you don't know that yeah yeah, that's exactly what i was thinking is we as most of the time people just make an assumption that because you look that way then you are this gender basically the way you dress the way you do your hair the way you present yourself i'm putting you in this box or in this box that's usually mm-hmm. what we tend yeah. to do, right? Um, yeah. And and yeah, it's just an assumption, right? And I guess ninety nine percent of the time is going to be a 
right assumption, but it doesn't mean that just because one percent of the time you could be wrong that you should not pay attention. And also, to it. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't system. go for the ninety-nine percent yeah. of the time. <laughs> like uh, that's you know something that. Uh, we really cannot know because like experiences True. are so personal and sometimes like you know myself I I assume because I mean I I grew up in this kind of society and uh, so like I'm not perfect I also misgender people it happens it's you know horrible not it's not horrible you just don't apologize and move on usually yeah. mm-hmm. um, there's not it's you don't have to make a drama out of it but um, you know I, I wouldn't say 99% of the time you're right like you you really you really cannot know there are like mm. lots of people that i know that you probably would misgender because you're like oh yeah definitely this yeah. <laughs> but maybe people you know sometimes people like identify as non-binary for instance or just like they identify as trans but they're not out so that means yeah. that maybe they, like aesthetically they're not changing because they are afraid you know of like judgment or uh, discrimination mm. or all these mm. things so and very often asking someone for their pronouns they just make them feel seen you know mm-hmm. like i have lots of like cis friends that are like when someone asks me for my pronouns i'm just happy because like i really feel seen i feel like that the other person wants to take care of the conversations that we're having um mm-hmm. so it's it's generally like really nice to to ask mm-hmm. okay um so if we go back to your more like personal story um what I'm very curious to, to ask you is, um, when did you first start to question your gender? Because I feel, I don't know, and again, I'm making assumption, correct me anytime if I'm wrong, but I feel, uh, you know, we are introduced to the concept of like, for example, questioning our sexuality. This is something that I talked about more often, like here and there. So I think you know, when you're a kid that you can question, okay, I think I like boys, I think I like girls, stuff like that. Uh, you, you won't put a label on it on, or maybe I am this or that, but you kind mm-hmm. of, it's, it's something that is spoken about enough to be able to understand it. But I feel at the moment and in 50 years or 20 years, it'd be different. But right now I feel still, um, being like gender neutral is still something not talked about at school. It's not, something that we hear very often and i wonder as a kid when obviously we understand less about the world right when we were younger is that something that you could understand the the questioning that you had in your head were you able to understand what was going on yeah yeah so for before like replying the question you you talk about gender neutrality which is also like another concept uh i just like want to say if someone like is is listening to the podcast um like gender neutrality gender like non-conformity are slightly different but then we go really into technicalities we're not gonna go into that (laughs) but um regarding regarding my question like i'm happy that you asked because something that i often say is that since i fully embraced you know my identity i really feel like i went back to the margin that was like three four years old and that was such a strong feeling for me i i mean i never fit in in the sense in many senses but when i was young I was very clear for me that I was not a girl, right? Like mm. I was seeing girls and I was like, I'm not one of the, like, it's, it's just not me. I was feeling extremely uncomfortable every time someone was putting me into that category. But at the same time, I was feeling uncomfortable as well when someone was putting me in the boys category. Cause when I was a kid, like I was misgendered for a boy for like really all the time. I looked like a boy, I knew that, um, but I didn't feel like one. 
So I truly didn't know where I was. I was like, I'm Margie. I really have fun. I, you know, I was a very, then again, excited kid, uh, jumping around all the time, talking all the time. So I really felt excited in like who I was. But at the mm. same time, every time there was a situation which I had to fit a category, which was either girls or boys, I was like, I just like really don't like this, you know? Mm. Uh, and I would like to jump from one to the other all the time. And I remember I was like in primary school, so probably I was like eight or nine. And it was this, I think it was like French classes. And we learned this song and then we were dancing the song. And uh, there was like boys and girls. And I was like, I had to go in the row of the girls. And then the, the teacher asked me, do you want to go in the boys? And I was like, yeah, maybe, yeah. And then, like, I went to the boys and I was like, no, I don't like this either. <laughs> and I went back, but still with this feeling, you know, of course the teacher gave me the, the opportunity. And that's literally the only time it happened in my whole life to, mm -hmm. like, choose the role I wanted. Yeah. But none of them were fitting me. And I was, like, you know, feeling wrong because I thought I had to be, you know, my family, no, my family, my mom, like for a long time told me to be more feminine Then it, she stopped. Uh, but that was like a very big thing that I've been told, you know, when I was young, why do you walk like that? Why do you talk like that? Why do you dress like that? Like literally the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I think honestly, I knew since I was very young, since I had a That's sense of self for me, it was wow. very young. And then, you know, like through puberty and teenage years, I tried to conform to something I was not. And, uh, you know, I went through some like quite bad experiences because of that. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was related to the fact that I was not able to uh, discover my identity in a healthy and safe way. And then, you know, when then I grew up, I started to go and live by myself, being part of the queer community. I was more and more, of course, feeling like comfortable into questioning who I thought I was and trying to get closer to the idea of me that I really wanted to be because I also had this thing that, you know, I really wanted to be this. And when I was maybe in my room, I was that like, you know, I was literally mm -hmm. you not know, looking at myself in the mirror, dressing up in different ways, just very private experience. And then at some point I was like, okay, maybe I can do this like all the time. And that would mm -hmm. be great because like, I feel yeah. very cool when I'm like this. And, uh, you know, and then I also had the support of like friends around me and my partner and this, I was like very lucky that I could like try to explore and to really reconnect with the little Margie of like three, four years old. And, uh, I'm feeling, you know, like a kind of full circle. I'm very happy for that. Like, you know, they talk about the inner child kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like this. That's a very strong feeling that I'm having at the moment. Mm. It, it I obviously can't really imagine because it's like you said, it's like a very personal experience, but I can't imagine how confusing it must be because when I was thinking about it, like before we, 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 what we, we tried, nice, everything in our society, so many things are labeled man, woman, boys, girl. Like, and as soon as you're born, I mean, even before you're born first, you're assigned a name that is yeah. usually boy or girl. Um, yeah. and so even it starts even yeah before you're born basically and then when you're born you have a birth certificate where it's there and then your parents get clothes and toys and everything and most of the time there is a blue or pink and your bedroom is going to be blue or pink most of the time and and then 
at every stage of your life, school, when you do any activities, either for boys or girls, like, everything is is in one or the other, right? I mean, so many things. And, and then you go into toilets and shopping and I don't know, like so many things. Everything right? is gendered. Like yeah. most of the things that we have around are gendered. Absolutely, yes. So, so it must be complicated when, especially when you're younger, when you don't have the tools to put like pinpoint, you know you're not feeling neither of them but you don't have the tools yet and the knowledge to 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 like i don't know label yourself i don't like the label you like you literally to put yourself don't have somewhere. a space yeah. you literally don't yeah. have a space to exist like this is why so like the world like... is not for me right yeah, yeah everything yeah, yeah, is designed yeah. not for me i don't fit anywhere here so what do i do yeah yeah exactly that's that's absolutely how i felt mm. so i think i've been like, I mean, I, I, I like to say that I've been like a bit lucky when I was young in the sense that my parents always allowed me, especially when I was like primary school and stuff like that, to dress up how I wanted. Mm. You know, there was always the comment, do you want to put a skirt, do you want to put a dress? But then the answer was no. And they always allowed me to buy clothes in the department that I felt more comfortable with, which usually was the boys one. Mm. And they were okay with that. And uh, But at the same time, like people who are assigned female, female at birth are like usually let more free to explore, you know, if they want to go towards a masculine experience, whereas the opposite, it's much mm. more stigmatized. If you think yeah. about like a little person who's, you know, eight years old, assigned male at birth. So, you know, it should like cars in blue and then they want to explore stuff that are more like gendered as female. That's like much more difficult. So, my experience as a kid was, I would say, quite quite lucky because I was left free to explore this. Still with some comments, still with you know all the things, but I could I could exist. The problem was that then, like as you said, like growing up, things are different because like um, for instance, of course, like well, I think when I was no, yeah, toilets were gendered also, like in like nursery and stuff like that, yeah, mm. but um. I remember I played basketball for like 12 years and I played with the boys until I was like 11 or 12. And like for quite some years, I was just blending in because I was looking, you know, like a boy, more or less, which just like a bit smaller. And so that was fine. But then like when I was like 11, something like that, I went to play in a like female team. And that was still cool because um, it was very inclusive. Uh, my coach were, was queer, so like lots of other people in the in the mm. team kind of looked like me, so it felt a bit more comfortable. But besides that, like everything else is gender, like you yeah. know. And toilets are one thing, and we usually talk about it because like it's easier. But that's just literally, you know, when you think about healthcare, um, you know, mm. just people mm. don't don't ask you, and they just assume, you know, who you are and how you how you should look like and what you should, you know, prefer among things and uh, and all these kind of things. And, you know, and then you go to family and expectations that your family has on you because, um, you know, like my grandma still asks me when I will get married mm. with a man, you know, and I'm like, yeah. grandma, I'm having fun. Like, I'm living my life. I'm living abroad. Like, I'm traveling. I'm doing this and this and that. Why, why should I, you know, need, like, a man to marry and sit down and whatever, so there's also, you know, the whole part of like expectations that we have on ourselves and family is a big part 
Um, mm. But but yeah, it, it, I don't know if it's confusing. I don't think it's confusing. I think it, you just feel like you're wrong. It's a different mm. feeling. Because if it's confusing, you feel like, oh, I don't understand. Yeah. But the problem is that you understand very well. And you understand very well that people don't want you you know, mm. in that space that you cannot exist in that space. And so you have to find a way to be there. But at the same time, you're always like kind of one step behind because you cannot be in, you know, in those, in those spaces. And sometimes you see people that kind of look like you and that makes you feel better, but it's really looking out for this. And that's why then, you know, you go searching for things. Um, online when I was young like internet was just like at the beginning kind of you know right now I think that if I'm 11 years old like this questioning they can go online and find people like themselves Um, Mm. which is great and which is why we should have these conversations like to me yeah 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 no yeah totally yeah yeah I I was gonna ask you that actually like do, do you remember when again like when you were younger I guess like through your teen years when you first came up came across like the first the first time you read or watched a video or seen someone or heard the the term like non-binary or anything gender related do you remember reading anything about that and how you felt about it like so uh the, the word non-binary itself i heard it like quite recently i think like three years ago or something like that there was no conversation about mm. gender when i was young so when i came out first i came out as gay to my parents mm. And also that, like, I'm always, I've always been quite sure of that. Now I'd like to, like, define my sexuality in a more queer way because I don't want to, you know, just focus on one thing, let's say, and I'm trying to, like, embrace the whole spectrum, but that's, you know, another conversation. But there was nothing about gender. I remember very clearly, and I think this, it's weird that I'm talking about it here, but um, it's a very strong moment of, like, then again, my childhood, I was, like, around nine, and I was like, I'm pretty sure, you know, I don't like boys. Uh, I feel like something in between. I feel like I want to be the boy in the relationship. Something like that. You know, it was like mm. something that was just like in my mind, you know, a kid just tried to think yeah. where they where they fit. I was trying just to find, you know, where was my place. And I went online and I was, you know, like trying, like searching online for like, women stuff like that right like it wasn't porn it wasn't like but it was like what a nine years old would try to to search regarding sexuality and my mom like saw that i was searching about that stuff and uh she told me like i remember like very well i was like about to go to school i was like in the entrance of my house putting like my backpack on and my mom told me something along the lines of you have to accept who you are as Mm. you are female you have to be female you know and uh and i replied nine years old no you have to accept who i am honestly just like if i think about it i'm like wow Wow. like you know chapeau to that (laughs) um but I remember that very clearly. It was a very strong emotions because I was, I was like, I'm searching these things because I like these things. I'm something there. And my mom is telling me that I shouldn't be that. But you know what? I should be that and you should embrace that. I would like to think that if this would happen nowadays, probably my mom, also because she is exposed to social media and all these things, yeah. like mm. much more. And she's trying to learn as well. Um, I would 
think that she would probably do something different, like, you know, in terms of how she replied to that. And, um, but wait, I lost the, the, the question. What was it about? Oh, no, like, the first time, like, I came across these things. Yeah. But then, that was it. And I remember I was in middle school, so, like, around 13. And we had one of our, these magazines for kids. And there was a poster of Mika, the singer. Mm-hmm. And I remember a classmate of mine being like, yeah, Mika's gay. You know, like, very... Um, I don't know, like very badly kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I also went to a Catholic middle school, so that's a whole other chapter. Yeah. And uh, and so I remember hearing that, you know, and he was like very negative about it. Mm. And I was like, oh, like this person's gay. And they look very cool because the poster was about Mika being like very feminine and embracing yeah. you know, their gender in that way. And, uh, and I was like, this is, this is like me, you know? And I started to listen to his music because I was like, I think, I think there's something about me inside mm. this kind of experience. And, you know, and lots of, like, music by Mika is about, like, being queer and, you know, the experience of, like, not feeling yeah. f- that you fit and mm. try to be your best self anyway and trying to get through things. So I, um, that, that was, like, one of the first times that I heard the, the word gay itself. Um, and then when it comes, like, to transgender people... Like, then again, I come from a very small village in Italy, like in the north of Italy, very Catholic. All my upbringing has been very Catholic. Hmm. Um, So trans people were just like weirdos. Where, Mm. uh, you know, like prostitutes, that was like one of the main stereotypes. Uh, Prostitutes and and really that's it. There was no, no, no conversation about like positive transness or stuff like that. So then when I went to live in Milan when I was like 19, that's when I started to slowly get introduced to the community. And the beginning was like mainly gay and then slowly uh, we got a bit more queer and here we are right now. But it was a a long journey. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. No, yeah, because yeah, and, and it's interesting because yeah, I think also I personally the first time I I heard the term non-binary must have been around yeah, like, I don't know three years ago, two years ago, something like that. Yeah. So it's interesting that even you being I, I was I don't know I was expecting that maybe because you're part of the community was more like something that was you know known in the community and obviously because that was not mine I I just didn't know about it. Uh, but it's still, it's basically very new then for, for everyone, mm-hmm. uh, this, yeah. the, the thing. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think also like, it depends on the type of queer community you're part from, of, you know, like, um, it's not, there's not one queer community. Like, you know, there's the gay community, there's the lesbian community, mm-hmm. there's the yeah. trans community. And like for many years, these communities did not really intersect also because they have different interests mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's still like an ongoing uh, discussion so it's very also like for me you know when there were not social media when like the discussion about gender and sexuality was not that you know out and public it was very difficult to find information about this yeah. and everything felt scary you know like oh my god like I, I think I thought when I was young like oh my god I'm trans you know and because mm-hmm. my question for so long was like am I a boy like that was, mm. you know, what it was in my head. And I was like, am I a boy? Because I don't like this. I don't like, you know, my chest. I don't like my hips. I don't like this. I don't like that. I feel, yeah. I feel like I want to be more like that. But at the same time, I don't want to be a boy. Like I don't, I don't want, I don't want to, you know, have the beard and like just be that kind of thing. I mm. want to be 
in the middle. I want to be like in this sense, like aesthetically androgynous, you know, more than I am and trying to find that space. Um, so like, and you know, and when I was searching for like trans experiences, it was always very binary. It was like from female to male. And I watched so many YouTube videos about transitions. Like I think when I was probably in high school, more or less secretly consuming all this content about people just making videos with pictures one after the other, like of their transition. And I was Mm -hmm. like, do I want to get there? Because Mm -hmm. I was you know, and, you know, usually things like if you're searching for it, usually it's something that kind of, you know, you are going through. So I knew that, but I always felt very scared by the transition itself. Um, and I still am. I'm still like questioning lots of things, uh, but I don't feel like scared by the tr- by transitioning. It's more about trying to understand what's the right like balance for me. Uh, and yeah. that's definitely because people are more out and more like public and talking about it more and making look like what it is, you know, just like people kind of trying to be themselves. Hmm. Um, you were talking earlier about how with gender dysphoria, I'm going to say it wrong again. <laughs> um, but as somebody who was born in a female body to have periods every single month, that must be quite hard because if you're, hmm. if you don't identify as a woman, but you have things that happen that happens to yep. women that must be like like it's something that you can't avoid and something that you know causes pain you have lots of blood you have to deal with it and you know even going to the shops and buying pads or tampons when you're when you don't look like a woman I don't know is that some, is that I mean that must be hard right it's, I mean, uh, it's 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 not like it depends it's very personal then again you know yeah. some people feel like dysphoric about it um some you know some people don't like this um and uh there are like hormone blockers or like you know all that kind of thing i'm not very knowledgeable into everything that you can take to like yeah. stop that but but you can do that uh you know some people i have a friend that who's, who's non-binary and they use they him pronoun mm-hmm. um so you know com- like trying to go to the trans mask experience and they're taking testosterone and sometimes I have sex with men and they have penetrative sex, you know, mm. and I ask them, don't you feel that doesn't he hurt inside, you know, like in your own identity when like, mm. like you have sex with a man and they're like, no, because I'm not dysphoric about my vagina. I'm fine with it. Like, it's not mm. a problem for me. For me, like personally, that's something I, I don't like at the moment. Mm. Uh, that's very dysphoric. So the same more or less goes with periods, right? Some people are very dysphoric about it. So like they want to block it. For me personally, it's a middle way. I'm not enjoying it. Like it's painful. Uh, Mm. You know, it's like, it's, it's just not nice because, you know, you have to get pats and times and all that stuff and be careful and then you have pain, whatever. But it's not the thing that annoys me the most. I would mm. say for me, it's very much more about how my body looks. That's yeah. the part that it's more difficult personally for me. But then again, it really changes, you know, in, in all different, in all different experiences. Um, yeah, sometimes I feel like I have too many things to worry about to also worry about my period. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but it is something that you know people approach approach differently. There are some non-binary people that hate that, and you know, and that mm. that's a very strong moment in their. Um, during the month in which they feel very bad. 
Yeah. For me, it's a bit of a middle way because I'm also trying to explore more how my mood kind of changes and, you know, trying to like feel my body more. So sometimes it's interesting, but then mm -hmm. I'm like two days, you know, a couple of days and then that's it. Like that would be like a nice balance for me. Mm. No more than that. But, you know, you cannot really control that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I know that was a bit of a personal question. Um, right. I had another one as well. How important was it for you to find your community of people that you related to? Because... I mean, I guess having cis friends is different to having people in the queer community, whether they are gay or lesbian or trans or whatever it is. It must be comforting to have a group of people that you connect with. I think that's the same for everybody about everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. People who watch football, like to hang out with yeah, people who watch football. Yeah, want to find football. a tribe. Yeah. Yeah. But how important yeah. was it for you to find your people? So, um, I've, you know, I've always been inside the queer community since I came out, more or less, different mm. communities, you know? So that was always like very important, but when it comes down like to my experience with my gender, um, definitely it has been huge. Like before moving to Brussels, I think I had just one non-binary friend, and we we're mm. texting, you know, and like sharing kind of tips and things, and like you know, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? They changed their name, and and mm. you know, and so like we were kind of they they were like slightly ha ahead of me, and so it All was right. interesting for me to follow their journey. And try to understand, you know, where I was in the meantime. So that was like quite definitely useful. And then when I moved here in Brussels, I found like a community uh, through an Instagram page, which is called Let's Talk About Non-Binary. And they have mm. monthly meetings and we have a Discord channel. And so through that, I met so many non-binary people. And that was so cool. Because like, you know, I could see that we all look different, that we all have the same worries, that we go through different experiences, but in the same way. And uh, it's just been like, honestly, um, it's, it's just great. You know, you, you go out, like you go out and you know that you have people around you that know how you feel and that will make sure that you feel comfortable in the space where you are. Like sometimes, you know, usually I go dancing, for instance, in queer spaces, more or less. Mm. Although, you know, some spaces are more gay, some are more like queen vibe. It really depends. And uh, uh, last month, so like three, four weeks ago, I went to a party which started as a drag show, something very queer. And then the club just opened to everybody and it became very cis hat. And mm. I instantly felt like this is not my place. I'm not having fun. You know, I should be here dancing and fun, blah, blah, blah. I was just with another friend of mine. Um, and, uh, and I was like, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. This, like, it's just too much. I'm not used mm -hmm. to have this kind of feeling around. And so like, I think finding your community is, is not always easy, but it's just beautiful. It's, you know, just, you feel calm and you feel like you can talk and you feel like they see you how you want to be seen. And that's great. And then, you know, like you also like help each other because, I have some things to figure out myself for some for a part of my journey but then on another side I've been really like navigating the queer community for like almost eight years now because I came out mm. the first time when I was 18 so like actively much more regarding like my own identity and so you know I can also like support other people just a few yeah. days ago a friend of mine called me an elder queen uh, elder queer sorry and I was like I'm sorry, how did you just come 26? I'm not an elder. But then, you know, like, but then we were like, yeah, but in queer ears, you know, yeah. I have more experience. So it really mm. changes. 
um, and you, you know, just go go through that, and it's it's just fun. And um, I think the most beautiful thing about finding your own community is just like that you can share, support each other, yeah. and you always have have someone that you can talk to, and they understand immediately. I have amazing cis friends as well. Like I'm not saying that my cis friends are you know horrible. I came out to most of them. I think all of them basically, and everybody has been supportive. Everybody was like, yeah, makes sense. Uh, how can I, how can I support you? You know, what can I do? Do you want to share this with me? Uh, you know, if you want, I'm here. So they, they were great. And they also feel like kind of a, through the contrast, you know, between the trans and the cis experience, I can define myself. Cause like, mm. you know, I think from a so- sociological, social, so how do you say that? Sociological? So- sociological. No. Yes. I don't even know if I got it right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Anyway, that, through that, uh, you know, like you usually define your identity as in, uh, in contrast to someone else, to something yeah. else. Mm. So like talking to them definitely helped me also define, you know, who mm. I am more and more and more. The cool thing in the end is that I think you need to find a group of people where you can just be yourself feel yeah. safe uh that, yeah. because you know because society is already sucks and you're gonna feel unsafe and uncomfortable and this is like true for everybody you know especially women for instance like mm. this is something that you know is a big thing um and so like in general finding a group of people that is there for you that wants to know you you know that like they're like okay I thought you were more like this, but you're telling me this is not true. So like, tell me how, how can I be there for you, for the you, you are not for the you, I think you are. Mm -hmm. Um, so Mm -hmm. like, this is very important about community and just like really go out and search for the right people. I I did this when I came to Brussels, I literally knew like nobody, like it was me and my partner and that's it. And I suffered that a lot because like I'm a quite an extrovert person. I like to be in like in social situations. And I mean, like six months late, not even less than six months later, like I'm in the middle of the community because I actively went out and searched for them and searched for my people and, uh, you know, kind of get out of your comfort zone. But at the same time, you know, that the people you're going to find are going to be safe more or less because Mm. the quick community, then again, it's not always safe. Um, But, uh, but yeah, you you really Mm. have to search for your people and then, and then you attract you know like each other in a sort of way yeah yeah and, that's, and again i think that's true for everyone anyway to be yeah. honest so, yeah yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah so something that you you also talk talk about quite a lot in your content is mental health yeah. and to kind of make a transition between both topics uh, i wanted to ask you how did uh, your questioning about your gender affect your mental health especially when you were younger still trying to understand yeah so um it's it's interesting because like it's so complex like you know this intersection is Mm. very like it's very complex because there is the whole part where like you know my mental health is definitely uh, affected by my gender journey um or influenced you know because it's not necessarily affected Uh, and then there's something Mm. that it's not related to that you know it's just like my mental health as a person not everything Mm. you know for trans it's not everything is about gender Mm. Um, you know, a big part of it is, but like not everything. And, uh, and so I think that I went through, you know, both things at the same time when it comes to gender, um, it's often related to the, you know, being myself in society that really affects, affected me and still does. So like knowing that people were not seeing you as you are knowing that, you know, people are going to misgender you 
knowing that you are the weirdo because you know sometimes that's how people see you and that mm. you know and when he sometimes he, when it happens a lot it's really kind of like you get overwhelmed and you you know you get frustrated at sometimes any like a day off it happened like a few times that i went through some weeks in which i was constantly misgendered in which i was trying you know to like kind of claim my space but i wasn't allowed to and then you know some hate things on on social media and then i had a couple of days in which like i was just like crying and be like why can't i be myself why is this have to be like this and then there's the gender dysphoria part which is like a big part for me in which you know i i wake up every day and look at myself in the mirror and be like one day i will see something that i truly like and i love my body because like it's with me it's been with me for my whole life so it's very strong but the thing is like you know really waking up and feeling like whoa i'm so cool i'm so beautiful amazing you know and i would like to say that because you know i feel like in the i i really believe in the empowerment of your own body but at the same time i cannot ignore that i have these feelings and so it's always like kind of running in your head you know and it takes energy um you know it makes me tired a lot yeah um and uh, and so this is a whole part of it right when it but it's like a lot related for me, for my experience, to my relationship with my body and to my place in society and, you know, Mm. among other people. And then there's the whole other part of mental health, which is just being a person and, um, you know, (laughs) navigating life. And I've been struggling, like, quite a lot in the past, like, uh, lots with panic attacks. And then almost four years ago, uh, I was just, like, actually more than four years ago, like, I had a burnout. And I was like, okay, I need like to see a psychiatrist. Like this cannot, I cannot live like this. Like this cannot be life. If I need to live like more, you know, 40, 50, 100 years, like this is fucking shit. I'm sorry yeah. to be, uh, <laughs> um, but, um, but you know, so like I, I went through the Italian national health insurance system thing, uh, you know, to see a psychiatrist. And then through that, I found my psychologist and then I started to take medication and like, which is like, I don't like the word to treat, but just like to help me manage like a bit of like bipolar condition, basically. That's, you know, what Mm -hmm. we're talking about because like what I was going through, it was like I was having, you know, this extremely high, high of excitement, of euphoria, of I'm gonna literally like just conquer the world and, you know, make it my own. And it was like a very, this huge feeling. And then like, just like this, you go like under a train and you're like just in oh, wow. your self misery and you're like i'm the most the, the the people the person that like you know i will never achieve anything i'm a failure i'm failing at everything even that if that's not true but like mm. i'm here but i would like to be there and now no, i'm not there and there are some people that are there which means that i'm wrong that i'm not talented mm. that i'm less than what i think i am i think i'm so you know special and talented and whatever but the truth is that i'm not i'm a fucking imposter and i shouldn't be here so you know like this days Mm. weeks months years like this like it's tiring and at some point i was in a place where i had this very toxic relationship and at work it was also very like toxic workplace environment for for me at the time and you know all these things you know the relationship with my parents wasn't the best because i kind of 
it was a couple of years that I was living by myself and like when I went living by myself it was also because like I came out to my parents it wasn't like really mm. great and I wanted to like kind of move away from there and feel a bit free and stuff like that so um I went to you know this psychiatrist and uh, they were like all right like we can help you with this medications and then in the meantime you do your whole therapy journey thing yeah. and uh, and I did and uh, I'm still like with that therapist I love like great relationship I always tell him like one of the longest relationships of my life that's great uh like like I think last year I I made a cake for our third anniversary oh. <laughs> that's very funny <laughs> um but uh so like but you know so I went was going through therapy and that really helped me a lot still helps me sometimes like mm. for some reason because like I'm busy I cannot see him for like one month and I really feel it I'm like mm. Dave we need to talk like you like now you find time for me because like I need it and uh, and so I had that and then in the same time you know I'm still taking medications I like changed a bit because the beginning like I was taking something for like mood stabilizers and antidepressants but like my problem is not really depression like my depression is related to this like up and downs thing and right. because the problem is that when you go down you go down like so so much yeah. that it's difficult then to get up so like then like i i quit antidepressants and i added another like molecule which is still a mood stabilizer and on these two things has been like much better the thing is like it's not that it doesn't happen anymore it's still it's literally part of who i am like this is how yeah. um how my myself like how how i work i don't like to say how my brain works although you know brain kind of regulates everything but it's yeah. how i work and so i have to accept it but like for instance for me taking these medications really helped me to make it more man manageable so that this crisis instead of lasting you know months maybe they last days now they've been mm -hmm. lasting weeks and then nowadays and when i have you know the up up like i really enjoy it and like i make the most out of it and then sometimes i'm like okay just relax and then i know and like it always happens that i'm gonna get down there and then I'm like, just get through it, you know, mm -hmm. just get through it with my partner. We have this thing that we say that I have the dark cloud of my head and you cannot touch me. You cannot talk to me. I'm just going to die in my misery in that moment. And mm. that's fine, you know, and I'm just going to wait and then get through like out of it. Mm. Now, like, you know, saying like this is manageable. Then, of course, life happens. If there are like some major things that happen, the problem is that it's much more difficult and like last year in 2021, I had like my last big crisis, which lasted a good six to eight months in which wow. like it was just, we're just getting down and down and down. And in the meantime, you still had this up, you know, for random things. And I was like, oh my mm. God, I'm out of it. And then the next day I'm like, nope, failure, not going to achieve anything in life, uh, you know, like just like this. And, uh, and it has been fucking hard. Um, I remember I, so like the image, like to just, to just like tell you is like, I was doing everything a person should do to get out of it. I was like getting therapists, getting my medication, working out, um, you know, being, go out with friends, uh, being active, thinking about projects. I was doing everything and it yeah. didn't, nothing was working. I was like, you know, and that's why I'm a failure. And you know, of course, like when you are in those moments, you start also like contemplating, like ending it because you're mm -hmm. like. I don't want, like, I never wanted to die, but that was just, like, so painful. 
I didn't mm. want to go on with it. Like my thought was like, if this is how I have to live my life, like it's just too painful. I don't want to do this to myself. Um, and so like I was, you know, I remember I was working out uh, a lot because that helped me both with my gender dysphoria and also, you know, to kind of relieve stress, etc. And so I was like in the attic of like the boyfriend of my sister who had this small gym and I was like squatting with a barbell on my shoulders, listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which is called uh, We Regret to Inform You, uh, which is a podcast about basically people who made it, but who went through like years of like rejections. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's like wonderfully produced, uh, very enjoyable to just it. So I was listening to that. I was squatting and I was feeling like, why am I not feeling better? And I was crying. So like, I have this image of myself squatting in the attic with the podcast, crying, trying to like get better because then I was seeing people around me that they were like, you know, trying to help me in the way they could, but they couldn't, you know, so they Mm. were my parents really trying to tell, you know, to tell me like, just, you know, continue things are gonna happen no worries and then there was my partner who like honestly i don't know how they didn't leave me like that was like love really um that thing also been like very lucky it really helped um who was like you know my partner was seeing me just like self-destroy myself and we had remember this big argument in cologne because like my therapist was like you gotta take a holiday like just go a few days somewhere and so we went to cologne together and I remember, like, you know, going through this and just saying I'm shit and blah, 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 and, like, so very self-destructive. And my partner at some point, like, and, like, they never get angry. And they were, like, like, they started crying. They were, like, stop it. Like, do you think that it's easy for me to look at you, like, hurting yourself? I'm not mm-hmm. mad at you because you are not well. Like, I'm, like, you are hurting me because I'm looking at you and I love you. And you're just self-destroying and like I cannot like it's very difficult I don't know what to do and that moment I was like wow I I never saw it like this Mm -hmm. I always thought like they were gonna leave me because you know I was just so bad but they didn't want to leave me they just wanted me to get better and then you know I just like just keep going trying to really hold on to the people that loved me and uh you know i really support me and listen to me the whole time my friends my partner my family blah blah blah. and then just like one step at a time try to do a new thing here and there and uh i mean in the end it worked uh am i afraid that it's gonna happen again yes uh but you know as my therapist say every time if it happens again i will have new tools that i didn't have Mm. the time so we're gonna see how i manage so yeah there you go my mental health part (laughs) (laughs) thank you for sharing uh no thank you for sharing i know it's very personal and and intimate so it's it's never easy but thank you for for that i appreciate it no i mean it's there's something that you said that was very interesting it's like also like you were doing everything that you could to get out of this bad yeah. spiral you're not just laying in bed or like you're trying you're really trying as much as you could doing different things that must be so hard when you're trying your best right and like and it's not working like i mean it's, i think that's, that's probably one of the worst thing that can yeah. happen right because if you don't try obviously you know like you, you know things are not going to change but if you, if you try you try you try and it's not working so yeah i mean i'm i'm glad eventually you 
you came out of his bad time and you know uh, yeah no, yeah i mean like go to your partner <laughs> also. yeah yeah really um i mean the thing is like you know if you want to like lame the, the message that now i'm trying to share it's always like you know like i struggle with this like big thing not everybody yeah. has like you know this like huge uh mental health issues but we all go through up and downs in life course, and yeah. uh, if you want to you know spend a week in bed trying to uh i don't know trying to just like rest you can do it the only thing for me is always like uh it's difficult but you really have to to believe in the fact to have this you know very naive hope in the fact that things will change and at yeah. some point they do and like this yeah. reminds me like a lot of like um so i have like you know this like uh, you know, uh, this doku podcast that um, that I started. And I actually started, like, before when I was doing my master in uh, Tallinn in Estonia because I just, like, like to do entertainment things. And at the moment, I was working as a YouTuber for the university, but I felt like I wanted to do more. And so I just started to have this podcast and talk about random stuff, you know, that were happening or that I liked. And then I just abandoned it for, like, a few months because I started this spiral and then in January 2022, I was like, okay, I, I am in this moment. Uh, you know, everybody's telling me that things will change, but it feels like nothing yeah. is changing. And so mm -hmm. I, need, I need to see that things are changing because otherwise I'm never going to get out of this. And I try to journal, but it's never really working for me. Like, my, I don't know, it's just not my thing. Uh, but I love to t I love to talk as you you know probably understood, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> and so I was like, I'm gonna get honestly, I'm just gonna get my podcast, do one episode a week, very short, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and just talk about things that are happening in my life, and through that I wanna see if things are changing, mm. you know, and so I started the first week of January and like once a week, trying to just talk about what is happening and talking about all the things that are like going on and try to see a development and you know in the end the development is there because you know I really like talk through everything that that I went through more or less you know and then of course I got busier so like I couldn't do it like once a week but I did it like once every two weeks and then I had like a bit of a summer break and then I started again so uh that that really like, you know, was, I was like, okay, like, I like to do this and this is why I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to do it, you know, to like, I don't know. And I'm not going to like advertise it as, you know, yeah. the podcast that you should listen to. I'm just going to advertise it as a literally live documentary of what is happening in my life. Do I think that it has lots of potential? Yes. Do I think that one day I will develop it into something bigger? Absolutely. Yes. But for now, it just like really is for me to keep track of how things are going. Why did you decide to create a podcast? I understand the writing journaling is not for me. I'm more like a, a vocal person, so I'm going to speak, but you could have recorded, you know, on your audio memo app mm -hmm. and just keep it for yourself. Why the publishing part? I'm curious. I think for me, it was a sort of way to keep myself accountable for doing it. Because, you know, mm. if I, I also tried to record videos for myself, right. then again, I literally stopped after, after three days. So for me, it was like a way to keep myself accountable to publish it. Didn't care if people listened to it or not, yeah. but I was publishing it. By the way, the name of the podcast is French Fries or whatever, which is a great title. Just saying it. I was going to um, come to it. Why? Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, so why the title? Because um, then again, I was in Tallinn and I think I was eating pizza with french fries, which, which is great. And if you didn't try, you should try pizza with french fries on. It's like my favorite. What? It's like, so, you know, like you get wrong, pizza, but... it's great. And then french fries are great. And then you put them together. It's amazing. So, um, yes, <laughs> exactly that. So I think I was like... Um, I, I was like posting a stories on Instagram, you know, with pizza, with French fries. And then I was like, uh, oh my God, if I want to have a podcast, I want to call it like French fries. And then I was like, no, but I want to talk about, you know, anything. Like, I don't really want to have a topic because then I get bored. And so I was like, I want to call it whatever. And so I did a poll on Instagram and I was like, <laughs> podcast, like French fries or whatever. And then a friend of my partner replied and they were like, why not French fries or whatever? And I was like, fuck, that's true. Like, that's so, so nice. And, uh, and so that's, that's literally how, how the name came. And I was like, this is such a cool name that I need to do the podcast. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's so cool that I need to do it. And, um, and it did. And that's, that's how it is. And I'm very happy. Like, it's like literally like my, my space. Uh, I feel very comfortable in it. I, I don't know. It's, it's really great. Yeah, safe space for yourself. Yeah, to express yourself as you want, yeah. basically. So, so something that you touch base at the beginning of the episode, and that uh, I feel when you talk is uh, the importance of enjoying life, having fun, such as doing the podcast and enjoying it, or you know, like yeah. stuff like that. Um, I feel like this is important for you, um, and God knows how much having fun and taking life not so seriously is so important right now, especially with yeah. all the mess going on in the world. That's something that more people should consider doing. But uh, from your own experience, is that something that you've always been like that, right? I feel like you've always been a joyful person with yeah. having fun is important, but usually most of the time when we become adult, we stop having fun. Mm, um, yeah. How did you navigate this this thing like did that happen to you or you've always been like that and how are you aware well, uh, of the importance of it it's actually a, a very important part i guess of my life so i as i said you know i was like growing up i was very much like this and yeah. then i moved to milan where there was this like you know job culture like you need to make it you need to be successful you are your job you need like that's your whole identity and I stopped having fun. Like, so on the on paper, like I had the best job ever because like I was traveling, I was like interviewing actors and directors. I was like mm. doing videos the whole time, like very cool, you know, on the outside. But yeah. on the other side, I was 21. I was working like 10, nine to 10 hours a day. I was also doing like studying at my university, but I wasn't like, I, I was, it was a bit challenging because I was working so much. I was traveling, that was so cool. But at the same time, I had this pressure on me that I didn't have the tool to manage. Like, you know, I right. literally it was the first year in which I was like having a proper job and I was having so many responsibilities and like, I just couldn't manage them. And I literally like, I mean, I was in Milan where like you could do anything you want and I was not having fun. I was like mm -hmm. literally uh, slowly getting into that vibe in which I need to make it. I need to do this, I need to do that. And I stopped having fun. And the thing that really kind of hurt me was that I stopped having fun in something that was very important to me because I always wanted to like work in kind of media and entertainment and talk and these kind of things. And I was doing that 
and I was not liking it. And mm. uh, and that was a big problem. And so then, like, I quit. And uh, I had this, like, kind of burnout phase in which I just went back to my parents' house where I just recovered. And then I did my last year of university there, and I was just studying, and I was, like, going out with friends. I I was living... Uh, oh, my God, no, I can tell you, like, a very funny story. Because, <laughs> like, I went back to live in Milan after, like, the burnout phase. and that, But still, like, it was a very toxic situation also at home with, like, my roommate, which we were friends, but then, like, didn't really work. And then my kitchen got fire. I, like, <laughs> mirac- yeah, 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 yeah. So, basically, I was... <laughs> I know. How did I forget this moment? <laughs> so... <laughs> I was like, I remember it. I did the last exam of the session. It was winter session. It was like February. I was like, oh my God, can't wait to get home, open my laptop, watch house and have spring rolls. I was living in this very like multicultural neighborhood. So I got like frozen spring rolls and I'm going to fry them. And I was in the metro and I called my dad. I was like, I have to fry some spring rolls. How am I going to do it? I never fried anything. It was like, just put some oil in a pan until it's hot. And then you put the spring roll on and then you do it. I was like, all right, all right. So I got home, I prepared like my laptop and everything. Uh, I put a bunch of like this of oil in a pan, trying to wait until it was getting hot. And I did a scientific high school, but in my head, the oil had to boil before putting the spring rolls in and it wasn't happening. And so I covered it and it wasn't happening. And I took the cover off and this like huge fire got in front of me. And I just panicked and like there was the gas thing, you know, on top of it. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, like if the thing just, I, everything is going to explode. And I did what you don't have to do. And I knew that I didn't have to do it, but I was panicking. And I took a glass and I took this little thing of oh, water no. and I put it on the fire. And there was a huge explosion. Nobody knows how I'm like still like this. Like this literally thing like exploded in front of me. And nothing happened to me. Um, so just to say, um, the explosion caused like a, a thing that broke a, um, a wall two rooms after because the the air just got pushed through the corridor. It was so strong oh, yeah. the wall broke. Uh, oh the goodness. window broke. The whole kitchen was a mess. Uh, I ran out. There was like all the smoke. I ran out. I was on the stairs. I, I called the firefighters. I was crying. A couple of people went in and like just stopped the fire and they were like, everything is fine. I called my parents. Uh, the firefighters called the ambulance because like I was panicking, you yeah. know? Um, mm. And so, so in the end, I wasn't hurt, but the whole thing was a mess. And that was the like I got home the, to my parents' house. And, you know, it was kind of a building up to it because six months ago I was going back for a burnout and then I really wanted to go back to Milan, but clearly yeah. things were not g- good. So, and then I got home and I think the same night or the like Sunday after, I don't remember, my parents did a dinner with the whole family to celebrate the fact that I was alive. And, uh, and my mom was like this, like, it's a clear sign that like you need to come home and take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I went home and I spent the last six months just living at my parents' place, which is like 50 kilometers from Milan. So like getting the train to go to university yeah. and then staying at my friend's place during the weekend and go out with them and really trying to enjoy things. And after that has been like always very important to me to like keep, you know, like 
being very aware of like if I'm not feeling well like mm. if I'm not having fun I need to like take care of myself I don't want to go there and like I, I went there when I was very young and you know and like I don't want to say that that's good but like at least if there's something I can learn it's like I don't want to get there anymore um yeah. and so after that I really tried to like take care of like how am I feeling am I having enough fun in my life because generally like i'm gonna have what like 80 years maybe to live or maybe less and then like like i'm gonna be nothing you know like i don't really want to go into like what is gonna happen after like i want to have yeah. fun now i have these years uh, i have this little planet and i just want to feel good and take care of myself and like really like um invest in relationships and at the same time I cannot say, you know, I also like the validation and the success and all that thing. And I'm like, I'm trying to do it, you know, slowly, but I'm here for the long run. I don't want everything tomorrow. I don't care. Why should I, you know, like just spend my whole days closed in my room, creating content. I mean, and people do it. And if that's what they makes makes them happy, then that's fine. But for me, it's like, I don't want to stay here by myself, creating something just because in this way, society can tell me that I'm successful. I want to go out, have fun, you know, go dancing, uh, you know, get drunk and high with my friends and just, you know, enjoy this. And at the same time working and, you know, and doing yeah. all these things. But mm. if I'm not having fun, honestly, how can I, how can I work? How can I be successful if I'm not enjoying my life? And so like slowly I started to prioritize my private, that's what people would call my private life over my professional life. Mm. And truth is that by doing this my professional life got much better because i can make bond I can, you know i can put boundaries and i can yeah. be very efficient and enjoy things that i do a lot knowing that after that i'm gonna go and like you know out to my boxing class or like to my partner or like you know dancing or the friends and dinners and whatever it's is happening but if i'm not having fun um it's just you know everything is gray and i'm not here for like a gray life I think the quote of the episode is going to be, how can I be successful if I don't enjoy my life? Like that's Bam. like the, <laughs> that is the, like the wow thing yeah. I just took from that. I, but I was going to ask you, so, like, so for you, like, how do you define success? Like, what would you, what would you say like so having a successful life for you personally? Um, so I, I grew up with the American dream. Like when I was young, you know, I wanted to be literally Justin Bieber and uh, still kind of, <laughs> but then, like, uh, but then at some point I was like, the American dream is a big lie. Like, it's horrible. Like, people like are like having horrible lives because they think that that's the way it should be. And mm-hmm. so I started slowly to like twist this kind of perspective. And I think for me at the moment, like having a successful life, first of all, is like having great relationships. I think that without relationships and for relationships relationships i mean like in the broad terms you know it can be yeah. like your partner or partners your friends and all those relationships in between because like sometimes you know you have friendships that are like as intense as a relationship and uh, that's you know very important like just like a few days ago i had a call with my best friends we've been knowing each other for 15 years and he told me when i think about my future i think about my future with you you know wherever we will be and that's absolutely true um, so like, I think success, first of all, is in that, like taking time to be yourself with people, doing things that bring you joy, you know, 
do you like and do things that bring you joy just because they bring you joy not because you know you want to become the next successful whatever like i just started boxing i love it it empowers me and like i i don't think about you know where this will go i just want to go to my class and have fun and feel cool and strong and empowered and and that's it and then you know and then come home and i have my partner and my roommate who made dinner for me and spend the night watching a tv show together and laugh together and uh you know and then there's family take try to navigate that part which usually it's a bit more difficult but you know and uh and also showing love like i really believe in like showing love and appreciation and validation so like i'm one of those person that tell you like i love you a lot and like i miss you or that i'm like you're amazing you're like a great person in my life like i like to give validation out because i feel like we don't do that enough you know like being sweet like lots of people that that know me tell me that i'm sweet but like i feel like i really like this because i i think that people don't just don't tell things to each other you know you love someone, but you don't tell them because for you, it's just, you know, for granted, you really appreciate them and that's it. But, you know, just write to them out of the blue. Hey, I'm thinking about you. How are you doing? You know, I really love you. You're a great person in my life Uh, and stuff like that. Just, just, just that. And then, so like, I would say success is more of this. And then you, I think like, you know, trying to make your passions or what you like into something that brings you money because you need to pay the bills that's of course a part of it and if you feel like that's something that brings you fulfillment then go for it uh if it's not as important that's absolutely fine like you don't need to be you know the next great entrepreneur or whatever to be happy you know if you have your job and you like it and that gives you what you want for your life i mean that's amazing yeah you know so yeah yeah (laughs) your love language is definitely words of affirmation (laughs) yes yes i always i always say to people and you know what i do what i start to do i tell it to people i'm like look like my this is my love language words of affirmation and quality time together i don't know how they call it officially that's mine too yeah you you two are gonna be best buddies here we go (laughs) exactly and so like i'm like tell me you know tell me that, that that you like what i do tell me that you appreciate me uh, yeah. You know, I uh, literally ask for it, and uh, and I think that like relationships that are built on this kind of very honest way to be like, this is my love language. If you want to show me that you love me, you can do this. You know, mm. you don't need to do it all the time, but being very open and vulnerable, you know, with the people you love, and also because honestly, if someone loves you and you're vulnerable with them. I never really regret it. Like, I never regret it being vulnerable yeah. with people. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, the worst case that can happen is, like, they don't respect you and you just, like, don't engage with them anymore. Um, you know, just th- you think about it for a week, it annoys you. But uh, I don't think it's worth, you know, to just stop being vulnerable. I don't think that's nice. Although yeah. sometimes it's a defense mechanism that we need to, to yeah. put in place. Protect yourselves, yeah. 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 No, but yeah, everyone... Everyone in any kind of relationship should should know each other love languages. Hundred yeah. percent agree on that. Uh, I've got. Dominic, a... But I also think with friends as well, it's interesting because yeah. my best friend's love yeah. language is gifts, and it's like my last one. So she loves giving me <laughs> gifts, but I never think of getting her a gift because I'm like, yeah. we're spending time together. That's the best thing ever. But she's like, I can't. Not that she wants gifts, but like it's 
I just I think like for family members and friends and partners and who are like anyone important in your life I think it's important to know what their love languages are so you can show them you yeah. love them in the way that they yeah. receive love rather than the way that you like to show it because yeah. then they feel like you're putting the effort in especially if it's not your top love language because then it really shows you're putting in the effort yeah, yeah yeah exactly you know the way you want people to appreciate you is not necessarily the way they want to be appreciated so you just you just literally tell it to each other you know yeah and we just need to do it and to call your friend and be like hey would you like more spending time with me or me just going around and finding the best gift that i can give you because i really know you very yeah. well and that gift can show you this to you and mm. you know just talk about it yeah so you you mentioned something that i find very interesting is um when you're 21 years old, you're working hard, you, you're doing something that you should be enjoying, but you're not loving it, and you burn out, so you got out of it. Did you get out of it only because of the burnout, also because you had the awareness to say, this is just not working, I'm making good money, I'm doing an amazing job, but I need to get out of it? Because the reason I'm asking that is because, you know, like, so many people or either not aware that this is their life. They just yeah. kind of go on the victim side of things, just like, this is the way it is, there's nothing I can do about it. When it's like, you can just quit your job and get another one, like, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And also there are people that, it's like, I want to quit, I want to do this other thing that would make me happy, but I need the money because I have whatever, or. Or yeah. I don't know, because, you know, my parents have expectation or because whatever the reason is, right? But there's always a reason not to do it. And it's very hard to snap out of this narrative, usually very, very hard. Um, yeah. So did you get out of it just like, was the burnout a blessing in disguise to get you out of here? Or by yourself, you think you would have snapped out of it without the burnout? At the time, I don't think I would have been able to do it myself. To be honest, mm. I was just like too young. I didn't, I didn't really, you know, have this kind of conversations before. Like at that mm. time, I also asked for help. Like truth is, I told three or four people around me within, you know, the same that were like working with me. I was like, this is just not working. Like it's too much. I don't understand this. And everybody was like, you know, you just like have to get through this. It's normal. Blah blah blah. Truth is, truth is, wasn't normal. Um, and at the time I didn't have the, the tools to get out of it. And, uh, you know, my, I think my parents told me or someone told me like, you know, you can leave. And I was like, this is just like, you know, so amazing. How can I leave? Yeah. Um, so at the time it was the burnout. Uh, mm. what I can say is that I hope that through that experience, I wouldn't need a burnout right now to get out of a situation like that. Yeah. Uh, for instance, you know, right now, like I'm very busy, I'm very busy at work and things are great. I'm very easy on some like other projects that I'm doing and, uh, and I'm really like starting to get exhausted. And like just a few days ago I stopped and I was, I was like, okay, I don't want to burn out. It's not fun. How do I do this and this and this without, you know, getting there. And so, you know, you start being like, okay, I need to take care of myself. So you need to say some no's, you know, would I like to go like somewhere on Sunday? Yes. But maybe it's better that I stay at home with my partner. We relax, you know, we talk and stuff like that. So I want to think that right now I would be able to do that also because financially I'm in another place. You know, at the time I didn't want to go back to my parents' place. Um, although in the end I did, uh, which is hilarious, but, um, (laughs) 
you know, right now I would be able probably to stop or ask for, you know, I also have the, the awareness that I have some rights and, you know, if I'm like sick, you know, I can ask for sick leave and I have all the rights to get it. Yeah. So, uh, I think knowing your rights and knowing what you can do is very important. At the same time, you really need people around you also within your working environment that endorse this kind of, uh, you know, attitude with the fact that you need to stop, you need to enjoy your life. You need to, you know, do this and this and that. So it really depends on who you have around. At the same time, if you are in a position where maybe you have some, you know, you're not the last one that got in, but, you know, you're like mid position or senior position or whatever, then there you have some sort of like responsibility also towards the people that work under you, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. like younger people to show them that taking time off is very important to show them that work is not your whole life and uh, and try to to go through that. So, you know, I, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine out of the club. I was like, which also like got burned out and they were like, and I asked them, like, do you think that you could have been able to do that? And they were like, people told me to stop. I didn't because mm. I didn't know how bad it was. You know, mm. once you know how bad it is, then, you know, you mm. think twice before getting yeah. there because it's the burnout and then it's the recovery. Like, honestly, it got me like, I don't know what, like probably like six to eight months to recover from that. But a good two or three years to mentally move on. Like oh. when I started French fries or whatever, the first season, you know, which was like totally random. It was the first time that I was like, OK, I want to do something like related to media and entertainment without the need to be successful. Because mm-hmm. before that, I tried to go back to social media. I tried to do this and, you know, many t- things. But I was always feeling the pressure to prove people, to prove to people that I could be successful. And mm-hmm. that was coming from that burnout experience. And so it took me like two to three years, you know, to be like, okay, I can move on. I don't need to be related to that kind of experience that I had when I was very young very alone in very toxic environments and relationships and uh and that was just wrong it's my past it's okay uh you know i got i got through that but i think that's also why it's important to talk about it and this is why like i try through what i do to like really raise awareness about this because if you know someone can avoid that then that's great if someone is in that situation they feel less alone they feel like, you know, it's not de- them to be wrong, but it's a bit more like a capitalist society to be wrong, yeah. really. No, yeah. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Margie. I really, really enjoyed this conversation with you, to be totally honest. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had fun, which I don't know. Yeah, yeah it was great. It was topic, great. So. Like, I forgot we were recording. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen That's often. a good sign. Yeah, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I was like, recording. we're just catching up with our friends and just, like, yeah. chatting about life. Like, I think that's... So, yeah. No, yeah, I think uh, it was, you know, very insightful. Thank you for sharing your, your personal experience with us. And, and I hope that was helpful for other people listening also. Uh, we have one last question before we wrap yeah. it up. Right. Okay, this is a question we ask everyone. Oh, so no. if no, it's a worry, no pressure. <laughs> um, if you could have a conversation with anybody, famous or not famous, dead or alive, it can be literally anybody who you think would be super interesting, the most interesting person. Who do you want to talk to, and why? What would you like to talk about? So I think I have two answers. One is very personal, and one is like just like very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the very interesting one. I I, I have to decide between a couple <laughs> of them. I think. Who would I talk to on the interesting? You know what? I cannot talk. I cannot think about it because like. It's yeah, there are many interesting people, but the very personal one, which is something I want to like explore creatively a bit more in the future, um, it's my grandma. And I know it's like the sweet uh, answer, but the truth is that my grandma lived in this like very small village. You know, her actually my both my grandmas, uh, one passed away, but like she was great. Um, and uh, I think both of them grew up in this you know very Catholic, conservative mm-hmm. small village. Uh, especially my grandma that is still alive, like in this very patriarchal family where my grandpa has been like horrible to her for most of her life. And she got pregnant before the wedding. So like they kind of had to get married and that has been like basically the end of her life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think she knows that, you know, and my dream has always been the one to give her the recognition as a strong, the strong woman that she is and the happiness that she deserves. And I've always dreamt of finding a way to tell her story. Um, mm. I would like, I've always wanted to talk more about it with her. Uh, my mom always told me that I should do it when my grandpa's not around. Um, so this is something I actually would like to do, but it's also mm-hmm. something that I thought about like in the future, maybe like doing something creative out of it, like doing a script or something yeah. like that. Cause I remember once, like she told me this thing, um, uh, she, she's watching this soap opera and she told me that when my grandpa goes to bed in the afternoon and she has that hour and when she sits on the chair in the living room and she watches this like very basic so Spanish soap opera and that's her time. And to me, like thinking about her as like I have something which this person who treated me like hell my whole life is just like a way and I can be my little myself dreaming about, you know, like alternative words and reality and stories and try to get through that um that's that's really something that i would like to explore more both because i think she has so much inside that she was never able to to tell mm-hmm. and because i think uh is a is a story worth telling because lots of people are stuck in this kind of relationship sadly also like nowadays and you know they have this power inside especially you know as women like feeling their own womanhood and what they could do like my grandma is like crazy strong uh but at the same time they never had the space or the time to explore those feelings and you know their own like what they really wanted from from life better um so yeah this this is it Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I love that answer. And if yeah. you ever do anything, we're going to watch it or listen to it or read <laughs> yeah. it or whatever it is, yeah. we'll be there. Yeah. yeah. I will. No, yeah. In the future without rush, because I want to enjoy my life in the meantime. Yes. <laughs> Take your time. Do it when you're ready. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. great. Thanks. Thanks. It was, thank it was great to talk to you. I really, really enjoyed it. And thank you like, to, for asking me. Because sometimes Thank I feel you. a bit like of a narcissistic to like just wanting to talk about things. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, some people like don't like to talk and I like to do it. So, you know, I share my part of the story so that maybe people then feel a bit more empowered to f- share theirs. So like that's always like the, the final goal. And yeah. 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 No, yeah. Thank you so much, Margie. That was really, really fun. I will link your uh, contact in the description so people can 
check out your profile, follow you and, and get in touch if they want to. Yep. So they can see everything you're doing. I will also link your podcast so they can check it out. Thank I, you. I'm not sure I will try pizza and fries to be totally honest. I'm not convinced yet, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And next time I'm going to have some spring rolls. I'm probably going to think about you, to be honest. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Just a little, little layer of oil. You don't need like more than that. <laughs> yeah. no yeah thank you so so much uh that was really nice and yeah thank, thank you. you thank you so much margie it was amazing getting to know you and knowing that um words of affirmation is your love language you're wonderful you are beautiful Aww. inside and out it was wonderful talking to you you're so inspiring and keep spreading your light because it was honestly i feel like you're my best friend now yeah thank you so much it's been wonderful and thank you everybody for watching on youtube and listening on the podcast make sure you subscribe make sure you like make sure you do all of the things and we'll be back next wednesday with a brand new episode bye 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 bye